big picture themes. But what we're going to be doing this morning in Genesis 12, verses 1 through 9, we're going to be narrowing our focus, not from genealogies and looking at multiple families, but we're going to zoom in and we're really going to look at one family and the story of one man. So that's kind of the general direction of where we're going. We're moving from genealogies now into studying about the beginnings of the journey of a man called Abraham. If you guys have your Bibles with you, if you guys will open to Genesis 12, we're going to read verses 1 through 9. And if you guys don't have your Bibles with you, that's all right. That's quite all right. We've got inserts that have the sermon points on the back, but it also has the text on the front. So if you guys will go ahead and read along with me. Genesis 12, verses 1 through 9. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your people and your father's house to the land I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Ron, and Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Moreh, and at that time the Canaanites, they were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west, I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord, and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. Let's pray. Father, um, it is it's warm in here, and it's uh, very easy for us to get comfortable um, at this time period, Father, but this is this is a wonderful time where we get to come together and study your word to learn more about you, Father, and to be refreshed. Father, we ask that this time would be fruitful, that your text would be illuminated, Father, and that we'd be able to understand and see what you are doing, Father, in the life of Abram, Father, and how that applies to us. Father, we ask that we would be able to apply and see how God's commands are relevant for us today. Father, we pray that you would enable us to trust and believe the promises that you give Abraham. Father, we also pray that we would respond in a way that Abraham did. Father, in obedience, Father, in faithfulness to God's call to bless others. We thank you for all that you're going to do this morning, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, now today's an important day for, we got a couple things, we got a lot of stuff going on today. We've got a wonderful church picnic, we've got fun games and music going on later on tonight. Today also happens to be, as all of you know, July 3rd, the day before July 4th. For for those who like grilling out and those who uh, enjoy fireworks, today's a good day in anticipation. But today is also a very important day because we're now we're moving out of some geologies. We're moving now to look at the story of Abram and Abraham. Now, Abram, he is not a small biblical character. 
in the Bible or in the world history, and I want you guys to see that this morning, that he is a monumental character. I'm going to throw some statistics at you guys. Abraham is, uh, he's relevant to over 3.8 billion people. Now, those 3.8 billion people, they are consisted of Jews, Christians, and Muslims. Because Abraham is the patriarch of the Christian religion, of Judaism. He's also the patriarch of those believers who believe in Muhammad, believe in Allah, and Islam. 3.8 billion people, and that's a conservative estimate because this the poll that was taken was done in 2007, and Christianity and Islam have been on the rise since. So you can understand that that, prob- that number is probably close to 4 billion people that profess that Abraham is their patriarch. Whether they actually know that or not, that is true of those people. That's over 55% of the earth's population. It's probably a little bit higher. So Abraham is a very relevant person for us to study, to look at, to know about in our modern context, as well as our spiritual lives. And so we're going to be studying and looking at the beginning journey of that man this morning. Now this particular story that we're looking at in Genesis 12 verses 1 through 9, this is going to be a very important story. This is the beginning parts where we see the man of Abram. But this is also vital to our understanding to see God's redemptive plan unfold through Abraham and through his lineage. We've seen so far that God has been unraveling this plan of redemption, that he is restoring all things. And we're going to see today some promises of how he's eventually going to restore all things. And so we're seeing this, this plan of redemption unfold in the life of Abraham. And we're also going to see that Abram is used in a very, very special way, in a very unique way. And it's, we're going to see that through the promises in Abram's journey that this plan of redemption will be played out. But before we just jump into our uh, sermon points, I want you guys, if you guys uh, just a brief picture where we've been in Genesis. We are now up to chapter 12 in Genesis. We've gone through verses chapters 1 through 11. We've seen a big picture of creation. We've seen the stars, the moon, the expanse, the water, the sky, all the fish, all the animals. We've seen the creation of humanity. We've seen the fall of humanity. We've seen the lineage of Abram, or not of Abram, but excuse me, of Adam. We've seen the fall. We have also seen the story of Noah, the flood. We've seen the lineages of Noah's sons, of Shem, Ham, Japheth. We've also seen the gathering of the nations in Genesis 11 at the Tower of Babel. And we've also saw last week the lineage of Shem and also the lineage of Terah, who happens to be the father of Abram. And so now we're zooming in from these big pictures, we're zooming in to look at the story of Abram. A few things that we've also seen, I want you guys to, 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 to be able to pick up on some of the themes. We've seen God's plan for humanity, Genesis 1 and 2. We've seen man's persistent rebellion in chapters 3 through 11. But even though we've seen man's persistent rebellion, we have seen God's goodness and his grace every step of the way. And those are some major themes that we've come across so far in our studies. But God in his great mercy is good to all of us. 
and he, we're going to see how he's good to Abraham. Amen? Amen. All right, now so as we jump in, there's three things I want you guys to see this morning. Three very important points I want you guys to pick up on. I want, I want you guys to see that there's going to be God's commands. God gives certain commands to Abram. Second, God's promises. God's going to make six promises to Abram. And third, Abram's response to God's call. We're going to see part of his journey in verses 4 through 9. So let's jump into our first point. We're going to be looking at God's commands. And we're going to reread verse 1 and part of 2. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your people and your father's house to the land I will show you, so that you will be a blessing. I want you guys to see this is something that's very important. Abraham's being commanded to leave some very big things behind. He's being commanded to, one, leave behind his country. Two, to leave his people. Three, leave his family. Four, go to an unknown land. And five, on his journey to be a blessing to those who he encounters. I don't know about you guys, but those first four things seem like a tall order to ask. To leave all that you know. To leave your friends, to leave your family. To leave your workplaces, to leave the culture that you are comfortable in. Possibly even the language, the geography, the climate. To leave those things behind and move and go to an unknown land which the Lord is leading you to. And then on your journey to also be a blessing every step of the way. You know, as uh, people who, you know, live in this day and age, you and I, we're connected. We have iPods, we have iPads, we have computers, um, we have all sorts of other tablet devices and all those sorts of devices that we can keep connected with each other. We have the internet, we have phone lines, we can stay connected with our friends, our family, our loved ones, our works for those who telecommute as well and do work from home. We can do all this. So moving for us is, is it's a little bit different than it was for Abraham. Abraham's leaving all this behind. But for us, if we were called to leave, to go to another part of the United States, it'd be radically different because we can still stay connected with these people. We can still have relationships with them, whether it's through Skype, phone calls, internet. Abram's leaving all this behind. This is what Abram's being commanded to do, leave these things behind, to go to an unknown land where he may never see his relatives, his friends, other family. He may never see them again. This is what's been commanded of Abram. It's not a small, slightly inconvenient command, but a command to totally uproot his life and to go and be obedient to where the Lord is calling him, which is the land of Canaan. So what we have here is God commanding to Abram to leave these things behind, but to go forth to be a blessing to those who he encounters on his journey. And there are multiple reasons for why Abram was called to go on this journey. But one particular reason we're going to take a look at this morning, which I think translates to us today very well, is that Abram is being pulled out of idolatry. As we saw last week, as Pastor Dave was preaching on uh, the lineage of uh, Shem and Terah, we saw in Joshua 24 verse 2 that Terah, the father of Abram and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River, and he worshipped other gods. Abram came from a pagan family. He did not come from a believing 
Judeo-Christian family. He came from a family that worshipped pagan idols, which also included moon worship. But Abram, the man who God would make his covenant with, the man whom God would bless abundantly, making his name great, being the father of a great nation, he was called to be separated out of this pagan idolatry and sin so that he might keep the commands of God and so that he might also trust and believe the promises that was given to him. But doesn't that command seem kind of familiar to you guys? Does it? To leave some things, to leave some things behind in this life as, as believers of Jesus Christ, but to move forward and to be a blessing? Isn't that what God calls us to do? To flee from darkness, but to be salt and light? The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 5.8, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children in the light. You know, as people who love Christ and desire to follow him, we too, like Abram, we must heed God's command and God's call to be separated from darkness, to flee from the idolatry, the things we put our money, our time, our resources in, things that draw away us from God and only temporarily fill us, to be pulled out of those things, but to move forward to see the gospel's hope and to be a, be a blessing to others. Because you and I know that it is incredibly difficult to be selfless, to be thoughtful, to be discerning, to be caring towards others, to be loving to our wives, our husbands, our boyfriends, our girlfriends, our grandparents, our co-workers, other friends and family. It's difficult to do these things when sin has its grip on you and your life and when you're surrounded by it. But when we flee from these idols in our lives and seek out God's help, we seek Him and we depend on Him drawing on His strength, asking for His help. At that point, we are able then to move forward and have victory in those areas in our lives. Not just to be able to be freed from certain sin, but to move forward to be blessings to those who we encounter on our journeys in this life, because that is what we are called to do. But let's be honest. You know as well as I do that all of us, we are stubborn people, and we are forgetful people. We need to be reminded we've got to hear God's commands to bless our children, to bless our family, to bless our friends, to bless our coworkers, to proclaim the gospel message that is the only hope that you and I have. Because it is only this gospel message that we have and we often take for granted that will set you free, set me free, and set all of our friends free from the bondage of sin, from to be slaves to certain addictions, to be free from the idols of worshiping money, sex, power, greed. To be free from the idols of false security. And one that hits home close to me, and I'm sure many of you, free from the idol of self and self-centeredness. You know, these idols, they're not going to go away on their own. I'd like to say that they will, but they won't. Nor will any of these idols that we seek after spend time with, nor will they fulfill any of us, because they won't. But the gospel message of Jesus Christ, it will free us and it will satisfy us. It will sustain us as it did Abram on his journey. For those of you who don't know, 
Um, I'm into metal bands. We play hard music and a lot of times not so nice venues, um, to say it nicely. And a majority of our friends, they're not believers of Christ. That's just, that's just the way it is. Most of them don't believe in Christ or have a relationship um, with Him. And because of that, many of the friends that we have, uh, they, they either think the gospel or God, Christianity is irrelevant. They either hate Him or uh, sometimes they're just passively hostile and just kind of blow you off if you want to talk about those things. Um, that's sometimes the environment that I'm in when we, when we play these shows. And you know, when I'm surrounded by these, these dark environments, it is very difficult for me, and I'm sure for many of you when you guys are in these types of environments, wherever they might be, wherever you guys might be in your workplaces or in the world, but it's very difficult to stay balanced of moving out of sin and being a blessing. I don't know if you guys deal with that tension, but I know I do. Because sometimes when I'm in these environments and I'm in conversations with these friends, I struggle because I, I'm so inundated with, with all these cultural ideas, with all these sinful things, whether it's cursing, blaspheming this, whatever it may be. Sometimes it, I'm, in, I'm around it where it, it impacts me to the point where my thoughts and my words start to change a little bit. And it starts to change the way I think. And I'm sure that sometimes can happen to many of you, um, whether it's in little ways or in big ways, whether it's a slow process of numbing, whatever it may be, but it's a process that can be, can be very difficult. But so when we're in these environments, we're also called to be a blessing. We're not called to be separated from all these communities, but we are called to be wise when we are in these communities so that we can be a blessing to them. Because as believers... We can't just do whatever we want to do and be a blessing and be a salt and light and to, be, and to share the hope that we have with other believers. We have to be wise how we approach conversations with our friends or coworkers, the people we're with, so we can bless them on our journeys, on the stops that we make in this life, just as Abraham did. But we're also called to be pulled out of, out of our sin. And so I caution you, be very wary, and this is also a cause for myself to be wary of, when we enter in dark places, to be very conscious of, of where you are and how much those dark places may influence your thoughts so that when you do approach those places in your life, whether it's in a work environment, whatever it may be, that you can be salt and light, that you mentally prepare for those things. Because as we're going to see later on, Abraham is going to be visiting some pagan shrines, some pagan lands, and you better believe he has to mentally approach himself. So when he goes to these lands, he can be salt and light, and he can be a blessing to them. He, and so that's a point of application for us as well. But as we've seen so far, we've seen God's commands to move away from darkness and to be a blessing and now we're going to see God's promises given to Abram. We're going to see six prominent blessings that we're going to see here. Now, if you're following line on your bulletin, don't worry about it. I'm going to say them fast, but we're going to go over them. So if you're filling them in, don't worry. You'll be able to get those down. But here are God's promises to Abram. One, I will make you into a great nation. Two, I will bless you. Three, I will make your name great. Four, I will bless those 
who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. Five, I will bless all the families of the earth through you, Abram. And six, to your offspring, I will give this land, which is the land of Canaan. Now I want you guys to pause just for a moment, though. Think about the magnitude of these blessings. This is not something that's, these are not small blessings being bestowed upon Abram. These are huge blessings. The God of the universe, the creator of all that is in this life, just told this man that his barren wife, the wife that has no child, who also 65 years old, with Abraham being 75, that she would bear children, that she would have grandchildren, descendants. This, that's, that's, that's implicit of what's going on here in this first promise that Abraham, through you, there will be a great nation. This is a great blessing that's being, this, that's being bestowed upon him. The second promise that we see is that Abram is promised that the Lord would bless him abundantly. The Lord is basically saying, Abram, I will give you physical prosperity and spiritual prosperity. But I want, I, I want to be clear on this point, though. This is not a proof text for, uh, for health, wealth, for material gain in the Christian life, because this is not something we can universally apply to ourselves. Um, we are not promised that we will have an abundant material blessing in our life. But as believers of Jesus Christ, we are given special favor and given all special spiritual blessings in this life. We are given those. But I want you to see, though, that this second promise that the Lord would bless Abram both physically and also spiritually is specific to him, specific to Abram, because honestly, we are not living our best lives now, unlike some popular uh, authors. But we do experience spiritual blessings. We do experience peace and hope in this life through the gospel message. And that is something that we do have. And that is something we are called to give to our friends. You know, we may experience blessings in this life, but in this passage context, this is specific to Abram. The third promise that's given to Abram is that his name would be made great. That Abram's name would be made great. You know that Abram's name means father of the nations? Um, that name, I mean, just the name of himself explains it all, father of the nations, that his name would be made great. As we heard earlier, we're talking about over 4 billion people that this man is relevant to this day and age. We're not talking centuries past. We are about 4,000 years removed from Abram. And so you think of the millions of people that have heard his story, seen the plan of God's redemption through Abram's life. So you can see, even today, how Abram's name has clearly been made great. We're talking about him right now, aren't we? There are churches all around the world who are studying and looking at Abram. Believers of many faiths looking at Abram. We've seen this even today, how Abram's name has clearly been made great. We've seen it. God has fulfilled that. He is a God of promise and a God of fulfillment. I also want you to notice that this proclamation, this promise, that Abram's name would be made great, is also a contrast of the plans of humanity and the plans of God. Because what did we see in Genesis 11? We saw the Tower of Babel. We saw those people trying to make their own name great by building a tower, a wall, 
and a city. But what happened? Obviously, they were disobedient to God's cultural mandate. So what did God do? He dispersed them, confusing their languages. But here we see the contrast and the tension that God's plans are victorious. Because we see God electing the man Abram and saying, Abram, through you I will make you a great nation. I will make through you a great people for myself, and I will make your name great. So we're seeing these plans of humanity and the plans of God contrasted here. And that's an important thing to note because Moses is doing that for a particular reason. And he wants you to see that God is great and that he is above all other gods. That there are no gods and no plans of humanity that can dwarf God's plans. It's not possible. The fourth promise we see is that God would bless those who bless Abram and those who curse him and his family will be cursed. So clearly what we can see is that God is placing his favor and he's placing a mark over Abram and his family and all his possessions and saying, you guys are my people. I love you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to provide and protect you. Those who bless you, I will bless those. Those who curse you, they will be cursed. So it's a strong, a strong words for those people who might come in contact with Abram, to say the least. The fifth blessing that we see here, the fifth promise that is also given, is that through Abram, all the families of the earth would be blessed. All families would be blessed. Here in this promise, we see God's focus on the nations. The fulfillment of this blessing is not just for the Jewish nation, as many of you might be thinking, but this is also for Jews and Gentiles through all families would be blessed through Abram, Jew and Gentile alike. We see this in the New Testament in Galatians 3, verse 8, and also 14, for those of you who'd like to look that up later. But part of the mystery of the gospel, which we see in the book of Ephesians in the New Testament, is that you and I, we do not have to convert to Judaism to have eternal salvation, to be brought into God's covenant community. The the, the mystery... The mystery is, is that you and I, we come as we are, sin and all. With your idolatry, my idolatry, and all, we come to the cross as we are. Jew and Gentile. This is a wonderful promise that we're given. The sixth and final promise given to Abram is mentioned in verse 1, but it's more explicitly expressed in verse 7. Verse 7 says, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring... Abram, I will give this land. This promise states that the land of Canaan would become his descendants' land. And as we're going to see in the next sermon point in just a little bit, this land was, uh, it's not vacant, but it's occupied. And we're going to see later on in the book of Genesis that it is the descendants of Ham that are actually residing in the land of Canaan. Um, And there's going to be a fight and a struggle to take that land. But what we're seeing here is that God, even though this land is, is, is not vacant, but it's inhabited, he's saying, this land, Abram, is your land and it's your descendants' land. I will fulfill this promise. But at the same time, as we continue through the book of Genesis, we're going to see that it was a struggle to take over this land. It wasn't just an easy, whoop, let's just jump over the Jordan River and jump on in and take the land. It was, 
It took a little bit of a fight. But even though there was a struggle, God was faithful to his people every step of the way. And as we'll see, as we continue on in the series, God is good. He is trustworthy to fulfill his promises. And he is with his people every step of the way. And as believers of Jesus Christ, you and I, we face many difficult difficulties in this life. That's just, a, it's just part of reality. It's the world, fallen world that we live in. But as we're striving to be obedient, to heed God's commands in our lives, to flee from darkness, but to be a blessing to those, as Abram was in his journey, God will strengthen you and he will be with you every step of the way. But you've got to connect with him. You've got to pray and ask for that strength to be, that he would be with you. That his power would be made known in your life. That's something that we often fail to do. Um, and we just get a lot of times stuck in a cycle and we just keep doing the same thing. But we need God's strength. We need his power. So as Abraham traveled though, he went as the Lord had instructed him and Lot, his nephew, went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. And when they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land of Shechem to the oak of Moreh. And at that time, the Canaanites, they were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram, and he said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And from Shechem he moved into the hill country on the east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent. With Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev or the deep south, further down into Egypt, as we'll see next week. These verses give us important details about Abram's journey. Now, Moses doesn't give us all of the details, but he gives us the details that are important for us to know, to see God's plan of redemption unfold in Abraham's life and through his journey, and also that details are important for us to see, to apply to our lives today. So what we've seen in these verses in 4 through 9 is God's, or Abraham's, excuse me, response to God's call. But previous to these verses, verses 4 through 9, it seems that Abraham got sidetracked in Haran because Abraham was called from Ur all the way to the land of Canaan. If we can see, there's a map, if you could pull that up for me. It'll be up there. But you'll see his journey. But he's traveling. He's called from Ur to go up around the Euphrates River to go into the land of Canaan. Excellent. Thank you. But as he stops, you'll see at the, one of the northernmost points, Haran, he stops there for some years. We don't know how many years, but he stops there for a while. And that's where Terah, his father, actually died. So what we're seeing is that Abraham was being disobedient by staying and stopping in Haran. But how often and true is that for many of us? That we know exactly what the Lord calls us to do. But a lot of times we make pit stops or we stop or we don't have conversations that we know we should or um, bless others. Um, I think that can apply to, 
to many of our lives. Um, but Abram, as he's going on this journey, he's not a young man. He's 75 years old at this point. But he trusts God is faithful to fulfill that which he has promised him, so he continues to travel southwest from Haran. As he's journeying through Canaan, he stops at Shechem to the oak of Moreh. Now what's important to know about this detail that's given, that the oak of Moreh is actually a paganite shrine. They worship false gods, false idols there in the land of Canaan. But what Abram's doing is he is stopping here and he is proclaiming that the God, that the God that he serves, the God of the universe, the creator, that Yahweh is the divine God who is above all other false gods, who is above all other idols, and that this is his land and that he reigns supreme over all other gods. Now, Abram won't stay in this land for long, but while he's there, he leaves an altar and a lasting reminder that this is God's land and he is above all other gods. And from Shechem, Abraham moves further to the hill country of the east of Bethel and he pitches his tent with Bethel on the west, I on the east. And there he builds, there he builds another altar to the Lord and there he calls upon the name of the Lord. And again, Abram, in obedience to God's call, he, he hears God say, Abram, this is where I want you to stop. I want you to stop here. I want you to claim this land. I have already made the promise that this is my land, but stop here. I want you to claim this is my land. I am a God above all other gods, and I will be worshipped here. James Boyce says that the altars remained as witnesses to the fact that in these places a child of God once knelt, prayed, proclaimed the gospel of grace, and claimed that this was a spot for God's glory, that this was his. You know, isn't that what we're called to do in the Christian life as believers on our own journeys? to leave lasting reminders of God's goodness, His grace, of His mercy, of His truth, wherever we go, whether it's in our work environments, whether it's here in our church, in our neighborhoods, in our classroom, in our dorms at college, and wherever we may travel and go. Isn't this what we're called to do, though, to proclaim that Jesus Christ that he loves sinners and he calls them to him, calls them to repentance and loves them even though they sin and he calls them time and time again. Isn't this the gospel that we love and enjoy? But we're called also to proclaim that, aren't we? We're also called to, to claim that, that there is no other God. We know many people in our cultures, they, they worship many other gods. Money, sex, security, power, you name it, fill in the blank. But we are called also to proclaim that, that, that our God, that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, and that He reigns supreme. He is the only thing that will fill people up. He is the only hope. That it, we are called to leave those lasting reminders in all the places in which we go, just like Abraham does. But you know, uh, we're human, right? 
We're frail, we're weak. Oftentimes we can be very disobedient. It's part of human nature, unfortunately. But you know that we often fail in building these altars and leaving these lasting reminders of God's goodness and grace and truth in our homes, our families, our workplaces, and wherever the Lord calls us. We do often fail to do this. But God in his foreknowledge and his goodness and grace, he knew that we would not be able to do these, per- these things perfectly or even close to it at all. So he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to wipe away our sin, our shame, and our guilt that we might have eternal life and joy and peace in this life, even amidst the turmoil that we face. It is truly his mercy and grace that which draws us back to him time and time again. If we're honest honest with ourselves, we can clearly see that we do fail oftentimes to heed God's commands, to believe and trust in God's promises, that he'll be faithful to fulfill them. Many times we're slow and sluggish to respond to tell people about the gospel message, tell about the hope that we have. Or to just be godly and be salt and light in whatever way possible the Lord makes known to you in your own environments. Often we are slow or sometimes we don't even respond at all. But God is still good. He still loves us. And He calls us and He restores us back each time so that we might go forth and do those things continually on our journeys, as Abram did. You know, like a loving father, who knows that even told, he told his son not to touch his incredibly expensive guitar. Uh, his son goes and plays with his guitar and drops it and breaks it. That that father still loves his son, is not happy with his, his disobedience, may even experience a little bit of discipline, but he still loves him. He still pulls him aside and says, Son, I love you. You are mine. I will walk with you through all of your struggles. I will provide for you. I will protect you. And I will sustain you on this journey. That same Father is the type of Father that we have. It is the same God that you and I serve this morning. He is a God that mends broken relationships. Who God who restores our broken hearts, heals our wounds. But it's only because of Jesus Christ that we can claim those things and claim that victory, claim those promises in this life. You know, it's through the gospel message and through believing in Jesus Christ that that we are enabled to hear God's commands, that we're able to believe and trust God's promises and respond in being a blessing to the people we come in contact with. It's only through Jesus Christ that that is made possible. You know, God does have a plan. We're seeing that worked out in the life of Abram and in his journey and through the promises that God gave Abram. But you know what? Even for you and I, we are a part of God's kingdom now and God's promises are still being worked out. You and I are a part of his plan to usher in the kingdom of God with all his goodness and grace. We have a good God who's gracious to us even when we fail and heeding those things. You know what? And um, instead of finishing, yeah, I would just like to, let's just go ahead and finish in prayer. Because that is a good thing for us to remember, that God is gracious to us.
He is good to us even when we fail. But we are called to be a blessing to others as Abraham was too. That's a good message for us today. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you for the story of Abram. Father, we know that uh, it is difficult to heed your commands, Father, and to, um, and to do those things which you ask us to do, Father, in your scriptures. We know that oftentimes we, we fail to believe and trust in your good and great promises, Father, in our lives. And Father, many times we are slow to respond, Father, in obedience to what you are calling us to do and proclaiming your name and your grace to others. But Father, we know you are merciful to us. You are good to us, Father, and that when we return to you, you strengthen us, provide for us. Father, giving us hope, Father, that we will have victory in the dark places of our lives. And that, Father, your words will transform hearts. And Father, we thank you for the fulfilled promises that we have. We thank you for your plan of redemption that's being worked out.